0: <laughs> come blast off in my time machine, third eye feeling like it need zine blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off, come blast off in my time machine, third I feel like off on another epic episode of Hero Paranormal Podcast, the hyper-anomalous esoteric research organization podcast broadcasting from just south of the old Sherman Ranch. My name is Ryan, the anomalous ambassador of the airwaves, bringing you an epic episode today. On today's episode, we have none other than the amazing Dr. True Ott. You may know him from a variety of past podcasts, both mine and others. He is also behind the podcast that is known as the story behind the story. Dr. Truat is an amazing Utah researcher who is so knowledgeable about everything, including the occult, treasure hunting, the paranormal, in search of just about anything That might be mysterious in Utah, Dr. Truott is just about an expert on all of it. He's also involved with Mesoamerican digs taking place at the moment. He has been researching and podcasting for a very, very long time. In fact, before, long before, Coast to Coast AM began. In fact, Coast to Coast AM was somewhat uh, modeled after his original podcast If you haven't heard of Dr. Truott, definitely check out his website, meminerals.com. That stands for Mother Earth Minerals, and that's meminerals.com. And you can order a variety of holistic and very helpful items from there if you're in the search of health and happiness. Mother Earth Minerals offers truly unique and cutting-edge nutritional supplements, they invite you to learn about the incredible true story of water-soluble, magnetically enhanced individual minerals from boron to zinc. Unlock the secrets for the wellness of life with their down-to-earth and simple approach to supplements. Check out meminerals.com. I personally use his gold supplement, which is absolutely amazing and uh, can't say enough good things about the products or the man. So without further ado, let's get him on here and we're going to delve into some very strange, strange but true tales of Uinta Basin High Strangeness. This took place at SpaceWolfResearch.com, which is a base camp for research located just south of the old Sherman Ranch. We're going to get into all the weird things dr true ott welcome to the hero paranormal podcast
1: well my pleasure ryan that's always good to hear your voice these crazy anomalies happening it seems like more and more huh
0: it really does there's been there's been so much strange just connecting with you today has been quite the endeavor uh, quite difficult (laughs) so um yeah it's been interesting i know that you've been up to a lot as well um in the introduction, I, I told the listeners about meminerals.com and Mother Earth Minerals and, and how I, uh, I I was uh, also a, I guess, subscriber or uh, have purchased some of that stuff in search of health and happiness and how great it is. I don't know where we should uh, kick off. We have a lot to talk about, but um, sh- should we start with what's what happened in the basin? I thought this was quite interesting and this was a while back.
1: Really?
0: yeah. Whatever, whatever direction you would like to go, Ryan, we'll we'll make it happen. Okay. So I, as usual, I had an event take place at Space Wolf Research, which is a base camp up in the Uinta Basin, just south of the old Sherman Ranch, and I uh, I gave you a call, and I believe Mr. Ryan Layton as well. I uh, wanted to bounce some stuff off off of you guys, as I usually do, and you very. Uh, Quickly and very versatilely came up uh, to the basin to investigate the situation, um, as well as Mr. Layton and a third individual. And I guess what we found was very interesting. I had a caretaker at the property who, who had an event where he saw something akin to three werewolves jump over the fence. He was with a friend of his uh, smoking on the porch there at the uh, caretaker's quarters, and they yelled out some things to these trespassers. They, the trespassers did not react as if they were very human and, in fact, playfully started messing with a bunch of camera equipment and technologies of various sorts. And so he went inside, grabbed his weapon, his his buddy had a weapon in his vehicle, and they started walking down the road towards these, these three entities, I guess I should call them because that's where we're starting. And, um, well, and, and you had a chance to, uh, to investigate the situation and also talk to the caretaker. What was your opinion of what transpired from there?
1: Well, yes, thank you. It was, uh. Uh, Mr. Layton called me, and as, he, as he's apt to do, you know, he uses uh, military type of metaphors. Code red, code red, uh, out of Skinwalker. We need your help.
0: <laughs> okay, <laughs>
1: what's uh, what's up? I believe we got there actually before you did. Uh, you arrived on site. We were, you know, we were. I guess we're closer from where you had to you had drive up from from Southern Nevada. But anyway, we got there and. Uh, interviewed your caretaker, the young man was definitely, shall we say, didn't sleep much the night before.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He was, uh, he was spooked. And so I went into detective mode with him. I, I had, him, it's always good to have people repeat their story at least twice, preferably three times, and see if it varies any, you know, uh, he was excited. Yes, he was uh, agitated. Yes. But the story was the same, and he pr- proceeded to. Uh, we, I, I asked him to reenact exactly what happened, and and he did exactly what you just described. He he, he explained what happened. He saw this this uh, in the lights there. These these three. I. Uh, he didn't say they were people. He he wouldn't have shot at people. They were they were some kind of weird. Uh, he didn't say the word werewolf. he basically said they were like some kind of cross between wolves and humans they they stood up and and then on all fours type of thing and he i I asked him if he'd been drinking or smoking any of the you know funny weed and, they, and no 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 i well, i had a I had a beer or two he said, but no, I was totally sober. I've um, never seen anything like this before so anyway we I went in and had him reenact where he 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 did take shots at at these these creatures because uh, he was unnerved and they were of course trespassing i asked him specifically if he was if he fired warning shots he said no i felt like this was something that i basically had to defend myself i, I shot to kill and i a uh, fairly good shot. He's but he had a really a rather large caliber uh, lever action uh, rifle. I forget the exact. Maybe it was a 338 or something. It was a big bore. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And and he said, I I know that at that range I could not have missed. I shot. I believe it was three times, as I recall, at the three different ones and it had no no there was no reaction whatsoever so i asked him are you sure you didn't miss he said no i'm i'm quite a good shot even though you know it's open sight there was no scope on the rifle he says at that range there was no way i could have missed so i proceeded to go uh looking in the brush where he said he stood in fire and i did find the you know the the ejected uh, rounds, I, I picked up his, his empties. And they were fresh. They seemed to smell the powder still on them. And then I went to uh, where he said they stood where he shot at him. There were three different locations. We took three different shots, as I recall. And then he went in, and I went, uh, I looked where they were looking for any type of, of fur or hair or blood primarily, and there was nothing. It was a clean mess as far as I'm concerned. Like you said, uh, there was just nothing to show that there was any type of of evidence of a hit. Now, keep in mind, I'm a, I'm a hunter of 40 years' experience, and I, I know how to trail a blooded, uh, wounded animal or, or a mortally wounded one. I, there's just no sign that this was any type of, uh, of a hit at all, okay?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And... The third shot, he actually fired the The creature was across the fence on the, you know, uh, it was looking at coming back and threatening him. So he shot it was just over the boundary of your property. And yet I went, so I went over the fence and looked and same thing. There was no sign of anything there. I, I must say, Ryan, I also looked for tracks and couldn't see any tracks of any kind of, no disturbance of the soil or brush. I mean, it just looked like it was a make-believe story other than the ejected shells, which I did locate. So about that time is when you arrived on the scene,
0: mm-hmm.
1: as I recall. Yeah. And you took matters, and you you interviewed your, your caretaker, and uh, I think our sto- the stories matched completely. And so I just... You know, Mr. Layton looked at me like, this is another strange thing, isn't it? This is weird. I said, what can I say? I don't see how he could have missed it. It was probably around 40 to 50 yards uh, in inside. So I, I would say this is not a jackrabbit. I don't think uh, he could have missed either, but he did. Uh, there was no evidence of it. Okay?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah. The story gets stranger. I don't know how much you want to go into it, but it's quite the tale, isn't it? It
0: really is. And I'm, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that there were no tracks because that becomes important later on in the story uh, and uh, possibly some of the dimensional characteristics of uh, these entities or possible individuals who were dimensionally walking um if we want to call it that for lack of a better word, I guess you could say skin walking if that's more but let's let's yeah, let's go back to where I don't want to jump too far ahead. I'm I'm just glad that you mentioned that.
1: And I and I must say the ground uh there was different you know, the, the ground is in, in places is stony and there's there's a brush. But the other place where he said they were standing and what he shot was was um, basically just dirt and would have been left tracks. I mean, there was no rain. There's no, really no wind. Uh, It should have had some tracks of some sort because my tracks were clearly visible and uh, there was just nothing there. It looked like it was, you know, undisturbed ground. So I had to question his story based on there was just no tracks. Yeah. There was an empty, empty ejected uh, bullet casing.
0: And the third individual was also an expert tracker. He's done his share of tracking. So I felt pretty confident that you guys knew what you were talking about.
1: Yeah. Um, Mr. Layden couldn't get around, still can't get around too well. So he kind of he laid back. And But yes, I'm telling you that it didn't uh, add up. Uh, I thought, well, it took three, three wild shots. And then you arrived on the scene and, and we began to investigate also yourself. So,
0: and while I was investigating there on the property, um, the three of you, uh, jumped in, I believe it was your vehicle and went down to kind of check out, uh, the area. And I unfortunately didn't see this part, but, uh, the report that I got back was fairly appalling and a little bit scary.
1: Right. We we actually uh, talked with a gentleman. I won't uh, give you his name. He's a local fellow there, but you know who he is. Yep. Uh, to kind of see what's going on, because he kind of a uh, retired school teacher and very much uh, knows what's going on as far as dispatching with emergency vehicles, because we noticed that, that uh, right down, I'm not sure what the direction is there, whether it's uh, on the east side of the Skinwalker property, there was a uh, it was like a double white kind of prefab trailer type of unit. And, and honestly, looked like a, some kind of a cop convention was going on there. It was all kinds of lights flashing. Very bizarre. Um, what's going on over there, you know? So that's where we went to, to kind of look and see what was going on. Our, the fellow we talked with had just said there's been, there's been a couple of, there's been three shootings in, on the reservation area. And that's what the hubbub is. Well, we sat on. I sat on my vehicle on a, on a vantage point, and uh, one of the sheriff's deputies came up and asked, you know, who I was, and you know, saw my license plate. I think he took my license plate down. I gave him my, you know, show my sort of my ID. I'm from Ogden, Utah, and I said we we're just here with, uh, to, you know, happy half of a friend, and we just wondered if we can be of assistance. Seeing as all there's a lot of emergency vehicles, can we help in any way? He says, "No, I think you, you know, you need to kind of move along." I says, "Well, the other part of this is I am, uh, I have press credentials. I, I do a, a radio talk show. So if it's all all the same to you, I'd like to see what unfolds." And I showed him my press credentials, and he said, "Well, just stay, just stay back here. Don't go into the perimeter, and we'll be fine." Okay, that's what I did. So we sat there and watched as even more emergency vehicles came in. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: there was a, 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 a forensics crime lab a vehicle pulled in. Uh, there was well, must have been over a dozen emergency vehicles, most of them still having their lights flashing for heaven's sakes. And then we watched as a uh, an ambulance in a corner, the coroner's office, ambulance comes in and we watched. I, I had binoculars and watched as they... They brought in the gurneys and and uh, had two body bags come out, and that as well. There's fatalities. What's going on with us? This is an interesting story. Well, our friend that is knows about dispatch. We talked, called him. He says, "Yeah, well, there's there's three fatalities, and what's strange." Is this got the police baffled because they're in a site of a locked, locked dwelling? Mm-hmm. There's been no sign of forced entry, and they're both dead from large board gunshot wounds. All three of them, same same situation. And then the gentleman said, "Well, what's strange is the." The uh, tribal police, the third person is actually known he's not he's not a, a youth or a northern Shoshone. He is Navajo and uh, has been known to be here uh, doing black magic and was asked to leave the reservation on numerous occasions before but had not done so. Mm. So there's a Navajo fatality who was known to be practicing quote, black magic uh, and was, you know, not uh, there's been complaints about him by some of the, the youth uh, individuals and they asked him to, to leave, but he did not vacate the reservation. <laughs> so that's what we know, uh, that there were three fatalities. Now, then as, as the uh, emergency vehicles began to leave the scene, when the ambulance left, the We were surprised to see a Utah Division of Wildlife Resources, DWR uh, vehicle. Uh, thing, I believe there was two officers that came uh, in, and they were there for about oh, 20 minutes to maybe a half an hour. And they were probably the, the last uh, to leave, along with the, the final uh, sheriff's deputy, as I recall, and so as they were coming out i i just i kind of waved them down and talked with the dwr officials and i gave them some of my press credentials and, and they said we refuse to go on the record at this point but i said just okay off the record what are you here for i mean this is a crime scene he said well we have a lot there's a lot of of very strange uh, animal pelts here there's bear pelts there's uh, mule deer there's it, it looked to be illegally taken There's even a lot of coyote uh, and what looks like wolf pelts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they thought that was very strange because uh, One of the animal pelts he didn't say which one had what looked to be a fresh bullet wound in it uh, two of them Like they were just killed recently, but they were not bloody per se very strange anomaly, and yeah. he, he he took the pelts into evidence and wrote up a report, but had no idea where their source, whence they came, that type of thing, and and he didn't want to elaborate any more than than just saying there was illegally taken, but appears to be illegally taken pelts and furs. He was investigating at least. Wild. <laughs> yeah, totally wild. There's, there's a anybody that's listening to this and thinks this may be a little crazy. Well, of course it's a lot crazy, but <laughs> there was a a book published, Ryan. I think it was 1864, just as the Civil War was winding down. Uh, the author was a fellow named uh, uh, Sabine Gould, Sabine Gould, Barry Sabine Gould, I think. I believe is the author's name. The book is entitled the book of werewolves it was not it was not a you know fictional account of, of you know a halloween type of story this was a, a scientific treatise of the reality of werewolves and interdimensional uh, phenomena uh Bering Saban gold had uh, had an experience what he, he described in the book uh, when he was in the south of france the the villagers they were staying started at, around midnight was screaming, Lup Garou, Loop Garou, which is you know the the walking wolf or the werewolf, and he proceeded to uh, explain that he watched as would only be described as. In fact, I say this because it's almost the exact same description as your caretaker saw mm. a large. Uh, wolf-like, wolf-like creature, but kind of walking more on his hind legs, and, and then going down to all fours, but, ex- but exhibiting uh, quite athletic abilities to jump over hedgerows and fences as he ran in the moonlight. Okay, mm-hmm. so there was a whole—I mean, this this book is quite well researched. I have a hard copy of it; it's quite a quite a rare edition. But Dalgonad it talks about uh, he goes and experience, he experienced what he saw and then he and he began to scientifically delve delve into the history of this and it's very credible. It's it made me uh, stop and scratch my head. He went into the archives of of the the local monastery, the church. Uh, this goes clear back into the dark ages that they had. Well, the the church had documented specific bloodline individuals that seemed to be under a curse of this, and it seemed like this would follow moon cycles. Now, I'm not sure, maybe you can remember, was there a full moon that night? I think there was that night, because it was, uh, your caretaker said, it, it. you could see quite well,
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: even though it was like about midnight.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: So that all parallels that book, the book of werewolves.
0: And there was another episode, or I guess at the same time. Not to get too tangential, but in another county, around the same time, there was another body. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, there was. There were the two there, just off the off the the Skinwalker property, and the third party was this Navajo. Yeah, it was it was. It was more, I think it was more towards Duchesne. It was still part of the res property, as I understand. I don't know. I didn't Mm -hmm. delve into it. Uh, I didn't know what to think, frankly. Uh, what in the world? They they all kind of had the same, same type of, you know, unexplained death, uh, a bullet, you know, uh, large caliber bullet wound. And yet they were behind locked doors.
0: This is so intriguing to me. And I have to read this older book that you mentioned, because the intriguing thing is I I have spoken with native tribal members there in the area who have a lot more knowledge about this than I do. And they've told me that when these quote unquote shifts happen, that it's not uh, like you see on Teen Wolf or popularized by Hollywood movies, you know, with the bones crunching and the howling at the moon and a physical manifestation, but it is more of a dimensional manifestation that takes place uh, where the uh, person involved uh, with the occult practice or the dark adept actually starts to see themselves running through the woods in sort of a uh, tunnel vision type scenario and manifests in more of a din- dimensional way than a physical way. However, there is that physical other out there, wherever they are manifesting. And this this tale, and it sounds like this book that you're recommending, kind of drives that home even more for me.
1: Right. They they uh, he goes into into talking to clergy. Uh, that uh, have historically been trained in this area. They say there's what they they use what's called a magic apron of made of the skin of the animal that they're becoming one with interdimensionally, and they call it a hura, h u r e hura, is what they say. And the physical, uh, it's like it's like an interdimensional spell, according to this book. The the practitioner. Uh, takes on the characteristics of the animal. What, some, sometimes it can be a bear, uh, a horse. They've been, been to take the shape of horses. But most commonly it's wolves. There's something to do with the wolf interdimensionally that, that makes it the practice. Uh, sometimes I think coyotes, they can do that. I've heard, heard people on the Navajo Reservation say that coyotes are quite common uh, human form going that way. But you're right, it's interdimensional. They don't really leave the physical area where they're doing the spell. They can be, like, th- three people can be united uh, in saying the same words, maybe through a cellular phone, having it all connected. Now, there's a new uh, predictive programming TV series called Quantum Leap,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Okay, where this is, this is not too far-fetched, because there's there's people in remote viewing with CIA that, that the next phase of remote viewing is actually becoming interdimensional, and they can actually go into the body of somebody at, at, at some place in time. But the key point, both in the book of werewolves, uh, the horror, the, trans, the, the, the black magical transformation, if you die as a... Uh, shapeshifter, you die in reality. Interesting. It, uh, it, as it hits you, uh, it can manifest as a deadly wound. That's one of the things that, that was that was touched upon in the book of werewolves that they're not they're not indestructible in their magical state. They can they will appear to be totally you know. Uh, just like um, uh, the hunt for the skinwalker with the Shermans. they they met a hadn't had large uh, direwolf wolf manifest and and uh, mr. Sherman is a you know cracked shot with this 30 six he swears he's he shot it and shot it and saw he had to have direct hits but then it just you know then nothing died but it just disappeared in the middle of that field
0: mm-hmm.
1: that is what I'm talking about whoever was touching that if it was, you know, it could have been interdimensional like a Bigfoot and not had any type of of death happen. But if it was somebody messing around through black magic, that person was probably dead somewhere with the with the large caliber series of gunshot wounds on him.
0: Wow, and this this does line up with information I've gathered from others who have looked into these practices. Uh, There is a YouTube channel called Dimensional Walking with a couple of individuals I've spoken with, and uh, it's uh, Mike Wazowski and Rainbow Ridali. And much of this does seem to take place in kind of a dimensional reality, which, you know, when, when you navigate the activity of these dark adepts, it's wild that there is sort of a bi which can be taking place.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's, that matches uh, very much so. There is a, you know, my theory about it is that it's not in the book by Savon Gold, but as I read it, I thought, well, the, the skin or, or pelt, the hora, well, it really is the DNA um, of that of that that creature now if you utilize some kind of other you know spell casting interdimensionally you can take on that around your midsection you become that individual in in a dimensional form so seeing as what happened there with your with your caretaker i still only think i can i can imagine i I, I don't believe he would be shooting at a human being that way, but something very strange, jumping, What how, how tall was your fence?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Four foot? Five foot? Yeah, I would say. Jumping it like it yeah. wasn't even there?
0: Yeah, he said they you know? spryly jumped right over it without any effort.
1: And your camera was how high? About 12 feet?
0: Easily. Up tw- on that pole? Easily 12 feet.
1: And, and he was able to you know, go right up on that pole. It's like, like that. That's what unnerved him.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> not your average human can't jump up that high. At least I can't.
1: <laughs> no. So that's what you know. It's like, again, that's what takes the takes it on these uh, these moonlit nights of the full moon. There is, and there is definitely something with the loop guru uh, legends of the, 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 you know, what happens during the night of the full moon. It, whether it's the electromagnetic uh, structures, because that's, you know, there's, there's always more of a pull on tidal large bodies of water. Something interdimensional can happen on that night of the full moon. Um, in fact, you know, that we have the English word lunacy and lunatic tying into lunar cycles of the full moon. It's a fact. Uh, most emergency rooms in any any major metropolitan area see a real uptick in in cases after midnight of full moons, for whatever reason.
0: This is true. This is true, and um, yeah, there's there's a there's a lot of a lot of interesting things surrounding this as well. Other situations which which have taken place on the property and. Later on, uh, myself, I found what I can only describe as bullet holes through the actual caretaker's quarters from the inside out. So I believe um, that uh, towards the end of this caretaker's run, things got a little bit hairy, no pun intended, or I guess it is intended because, yeah, for somebody to shoot through a wall at something and, and be... Either it was a mistake and they were cleaning their weapon, but given the history, I'm not exactly sure. There's been other neighbors in neighboring properties who have encountered similar scenarios. Uh, I'll I'll leave last names out of it, but one of them is named Mark, and he he lives up by an area known as Werewolf Point, Um, as you go towards, well, for people that are locals are going to know exactly where I'm talking about, but... um, as you go up towards Bottle Hollow Reservoir on the west side, and this individual encountered something very similar—this uh, this wolf-like, human-like, amorphous, just kind of mixed-up, shifted entity on his property—and he did fire upon it, and he believed that he hit it as well. Oddly, he. Encountered what can only be described in his own words as men in black. In the preceding days, afterwards he he had some uh, he had some visitors, and um, apparently the way the story goes, as it was relayed to me, was that they were in possession of these GPS satellite images of him taking part in this action of shooting at this entity. And they were kind of trying to put the fear of God in him, saying, you can't do that. You can't shoot at people. You know, this is manslaughter, yada, yada, yada. However, he was very sure of what he saw and also very sure that nobody else could see this type of thing from, well, literally space. But apparently this technology does exist. I haven't, you know, I, I can't validate this story because I have not seen the images. And, but I do know... I do know the individual and I do know the story very well and I do know everybody involved and I don't think they have any reason uh, to lie about this. There would be no function in in lying. There's nothing to gain and he hasn't gone mainstream with it. So, you know, these things have happened in the area and there's other reports, as I'm sure you know, of these entities that are somewhat dog and wolf-like roaming.
1: Yeah, that uh, the latest uh, updated book on the Skinwalker by Kelleher and, and uh, no, uh, what's his name, um, um, the reporter Nori. No.
0: Oh, George Knapp. Yeah.
1: George Knapp. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, they talk about these these same type of of uh, Wolfman appearing in other part you know, after coming on there's like hitchhiker effect coming out to uh, places like in Virginia, uh, other places where they just almost like haunting the individuals and, and their property, their house and the woods and all of this. What if, this is speculation now, there's nothing to do uh, with this on, in the book we re- reference, but what if you delivered a mortal wound to the people as they're interdimensional uh, and, and, and destroys their physical body, but their soul becomes trapped inside of that entity too would that not be a reason to to come in the night to haunt somebody in their sleep uh which would awake and and shoot shoot the gun and and you know put bullet holes into the wall
0: Mm -hmm.
1: i mean that's what that's what i think hauntings are all about frankly
0: it really is it's yeah
1: so that's my speculation on what could be happening i you don't know what happened to your caretaker, but he he didn't uh, fare too well afterwards, did he?
0: No, and I, I don't know that I would have fared too well after having that experience because there's just so so much in the mix.
1: Yeah, and, and what are you going to do? Go to the police and tell this wild story? You know, uh, Are they going to even believe it? Did he, did he, I mean, there's no physical evidence of, of any crime being done. It's not illegal to discharge a gun on your property. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's just as bizarre, as bizarre stories I've ever seen witnessed, and I, you know, I just just chalk another one up to the strangeness in the Uinta Basin.
0: Very true, and it's not just in the Uinta Basin. I've, you know, down in the Shiprock area, uh, that's definitely Reservation uh, Navajo Country. There's a, there is Ute tribal members there nearby as well. And down in the Shiprock area, I've heard tales from the Navajo Rangers um, when I got a chance to meet with them. And many of their tales are similar. Where uh, one particular tale was of a gentleman who had a similar experience. He did, in fact, unload on this creature in his view. And when he approached it after a direct hit, what he found was quite interesting something like almost like the shedding of a pelt but it was uh in his words it just it just didn't look right there are images of it online um the navajo ranger i spoke with was john and uh he he had images of these that he was showing me there was another case of an individual who shot at something similar and It was when he did approach in this other scenario, this other completely separate event, when he approached, it was a person. He had in fact shot a person, but he was sure of what he saw beforehand. So it really makes you wonder if we're dealing with the same thing, different things, uh, depending on the state of the dark adept at the moment when this interaction takes place, like what comes into play? Because... It it is a lot like a, a science, almost like remote viewing, where you know sometimes there's a hit on target and other times there's not when you're remote viewing, and it makes me wonder if it's it's similar with this interdimensional shape shifting.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, definitely something to explore, and if Mr. Knapp wants to uh, really get his investigative hat on, he can he can help with that. But listen, I gotta. I had another experience when I was a young uh, LDS uh, Mormon missionary back in the 70s, late uh, uh, 1978. I was uh, assigned to be uh, with a, a, a Navajo uh, Indian companion named Mike Chiquito. We were we were uh, on the eastern shore there of, of Lake Erie. There's a, a large uh, Indian reservation called the Cataraugus Reservation. And we were assigned there to basically proselyte uh, the Mormon faith, you know, to the Native American Catawba tribe, which is part of the Algonquin culture. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, we started doing that. We talked to the tribal elders to get a kind of a uh, an idea of what their religious practices are, and they invited us to come to a long, what's called a long lodge dance. Okay, they have these long, what's called long lodges, and uh, they didn't want us to come in shirt and tie. They kind of says come in casual, casual attire. This is something then formal. We'll, we'll have a dinner and we'll feed you. Then we'll have the ceremony, replete with drums and you know fire, fire pit, that type of thing. Well, the food was excellent. They fed us. They were very hospitable. Absolutely fed and and, and we were very graciously treated. So we were sitting there with the with the, the tribal elders. And the dance began, and the drums started, the dancing began. And keep in mind, it's like almost like a bonfire in the center of the Long Lodge uh, coming up through the smoke, going up through the, the, the roof. And as they started dancing, there were you know um, uh, dancers with, with horned antlers, pelts on them, you know, symboli- you know, symbolizing the white-tailed deer and other things. And then suddenly there was howls. And about 10 dancers come in with wolf pelts on him, you know, and I thought, what, well, this is like signifying the wolves chasing the deer or something. Uh, then I, I looked around for my companion and he had vanished. He'd vamoosed. Mm-hmm. He was not sticking around. We were driving a little Fort Pino uh, <laughs> at the time. <laughs> he, we. I mean, I didn't even see him leave. It was dark, and you know, uh, except for the fire, he had run and he grabbed and he did the unpardonable sin, leaving his companion you know don't you don't separate, but he left me high and dry um I had to, <laughs> to beg him to ride back to our place, and he was barricaded up in in our little uh, one room apartment. he was barricaded, i mean locked doors latched, and everything. Let me in. No, you can't come in. I said, "You okay? You know what's the matter with you?" Wow. Finally, they talked to him in opening the door. All they could say was, "He was he was terrified. He was saying one word: Anupits, Anupits, Anupits. I said, "What is Anupits? What are you saying? Talk, talk English." Um, he says, "Well, that's Navajo uh, or Native American for." Basically, Skinwalker, um, Shapeshifter,
0: Anubis. Mm. Wow, that's super similar sounding to Anubis, you know, which is that's the, what I'm saying. That's so interesting. Anubis. Yeah,
1: yeah, which which is the jackal-headed god of the underworld and of the dead.
0: Amazing coincidence.
1: Exactly. So I I said, "What in the world did you do? Are you okay?" He says, "I don't want to. I want to leave. I want to leave the area." Uh, I had a call the next day. My mission president had him transferred out because he was petrified. He said, "No, this is very real. I've I've seen I've seen a I've seen a The 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 you know the shapeshifting in the reservation. He knew it. He says they were invoking some very dark spirits. you had to get out of there. So this is I guess this is Whoa. not just the Southwest Indian culture. It also seems to be the same. You know, in the Algonquin. You know, the the Eastern tribes as well." So I'll never forget that. I wrote it in my missionary journal, like, um, my companion, I, I wrote something like this. My companion is way overly superstitious. I thought he was very rude, and he he did the unpardonable sin, leaving his companion. You know, things can happen. Under the Mormon rules of conduct, you don't do that.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, <laughs> <but he did. laughs> it, 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 it's against the code. Yeah. You know, in uh, anyway, all in all fairness, though the supernatural, the, you know, the the just the being superstitious, uh, it, you start to understand it after a while because of situations like the ones we're discussing. So, I mean, I can't blame the guy.
1: Yeah, it was it was eerie because in the in the light of that was coming off of the fire, uh, these these shadows did appear to be wolves, you know, manifesting. And he was—I I know he was there when the when the deer dancers came in and did all of that. But when the wolves appeared and he started dancing around the park, he bamboozed. He was out of there. Nothing's going to stop him.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was gone.
1: So Anubis, Anupis, yeah, very very similar uh, semantics.
0: Super the similar.
1: The and- Egyptian jackal-headed god of the dead, yeah.
0: And those coincidences—they don't stop there, you know. When I began researching some of the, so, some of this occult dark magic, you know, there are some fairly hard-to-get books out there um, that you can find from time to time. And uh, when when I find them, I definitely hang on to them. I latch on. And I got the heads up from uh, Jacques Vallee that there were very interesting similarities in the Middle East to some of the things that are seen in the Una Basin, and um, I started kind of looking into the dark arts of the Middle East as well, and you know what I was fascinated by is that Jacques was right. There, uh, a lot of the stuff in the Middle East, let's call it bad juju, the boogeyman, etc., it is all blamed on the djinn. Which is really just yeah. semantics, you know, another name uh, for the other or for the the trickster, and w- with with shape shifting capability as well. And interestingly, a lot of similarities as far as candle work, some of the rituals that take place, the uh, the adepts doing these dark occult rituals are performing in very similar ways, and many times with the exact same colored candles and the same formations. And it just brings you back to, I mean, there was no internet back then. There was no World Wide Web. How is it that the same similar dark occult rituals are happening on one side of the globe as another when it's unfathomable, almost, that there would be intercommunication between these two areas, so it's it's just it's mind blowing to me.
1: Yeah, and I had the privilege of talking with Jacques Ballet as well. He spent quite a bit of time here in the basin, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, as we met, we were he was researching the the Bigfoot sightings, the Bigfoot scenarios, interdimensionally as well, and he came to the conclusion. He said, I'm not, I'm not going to, to be well accepted It's going to be a lot of, of, of angry people, but the bottom line is this. He said, uh, Bigfoot is interdimensional, as are UFOs. They are not of this dimensional plane. He says, the evidence is overwhelming to me that the UFO phenomenon are, are interdimensional, not from a galaxy far, far away.
0: And that's what I appreciate about people like yourself and Jacques. It's, it's not a popularity contest. If you know, when you do research this long, when you have an opinion, I mean, it's best to state it because you've spent so much time doing it. And you do that as well. Many times at the, you know, expense of people, quote unquote, agreeing with you. And I appreciate that about you.
1: Well, I just, I just call as I see it. Uh, You know, I can't, I came, like uh, Mr. Layton said, a code red. Code red, we got to go and meet if you're free. And, well, I just happened to be free. And so we went over there. And uh, I, I'm just relating what I witnessed and what I saw. Mm-hmm. Uh, a young, young lad, uh, your caretaker, who was definitely agitated, uh, very much so, and didn't know where to turn, was afraid he did something very wrong, and was very fearful. So, yeah, we were. I don't know if we made the situation better or worse, Ryan. But it would, it is what it is. We witnessed what we witnessed with that, and I don't care if people believe it or not. I, I I must say it happened.
0: That's right. It did. And I I, you know, I don't want to beat a dead horse. I mean, we probably could stay on this track and talk about this forever. But I wanted to also touch base on some other things that you've been involved with research-wise and noticed and been privy to that a lot of people are not. And that is, I mean, we could go down a ton of directions, but I was mesmerized by your presentation at uh, up in the Uinta Basin of Utah. You recently did a presentation that I was lucky enough to take part of um, at the Moon Lake Gathering and that is these findings that are being found throughout the world, but particularly uh, Mesoamerica. And these are basic. Can we go into a little bit of that?
1: Well, yeah, and that's a perfect segue with what uh, Jacques Vallée said. These, when you start going into the dark arts and start uh, doing ritual sacrifice of, of infants, there was uh, uh, Kaibab Itza, the the, dark, the deep well there in Mesoamerica, that researchers have found they thought was a, an old water well. They wondered why it was dry. They explored down into it, found it was a sacrificial well with literally thousands of dead, sacrificed children's skeletons in the bottom around a stone effigy they nicknamed Kaibab Itza. Well, what is, what is the... What does Kaibab mean? Okay. And, uh, what is Ita the, the, an Aztec. Okay. We're talking about a shape-shifting interdimensional. All right. Um, very much a, an entity where they've, I mean the Aztecs were trying to gain power trying to gain, shall we say, uh, some kind of dimensional wisdom, I would assume. Okay. And so they began to do all these these rituals, and, and they began to manifest, this, as Jacques Vallée said, extraterrestrial beings in craft, interdimensional craft. Mm-hmm. There was an, a, a plethora of unearthed artifacts of alien ships. I mean, they were stoned, uh, some of them very well done and well preserved. There was no doubt that... They, this culture of the Aztecs was unified with these fallen sons of God, okay? I believe that's exactly what, uh, though Jacques Vallée didn't go biblical, uh, there is, a, you know, the book of Genesis specifically says there were these uh, sons of God, these fallen angels, if you will, that came to this earth plane and manifest and had sexual relations with earth women and created an interbreeding uh race of mighty men of renown as the bible explains so so genesis chapter 6 is 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 very accurate i submit okay Mm -hmm. that the aztecs were were very much tied into that ritual and i think there was very much uh, interdimensional connections with, with precious metals, gold and silver, to this end, which is uh, again what what led Cortez and and uh, all of that to basically you know basically destroy that that culture. Uh, the the gold was amazing. They had massive amounts of gold and precious precious jewels. Interdimensional, completely, to to access these uh, these entities. All right. Mm -hmm. And I think this is what Jacques Vallée was uncovering. I think this is what he was discovering on his own research.
0: It's so reminiscent of, you know, these other researchers. I think of various books. You have uh, various cultures that have pointed out these similarities in geographic locations that should not be in any sort of communication given our common modern analysis of where these cultures were at that point in time. Yet there are these intriguing fingerprints that are almost identical. And it, it just it's just so mind-blowing that these cultures, regardless of location, have similar dark adepts practicing similar occult rituals with... Uh, As you mentioned, extraterrestrial-looking, in many cases, demonic-looking entities. And, you know, it it brings me to something I just came across, which was uh, Dr. Travis Taylor had a lunch at, uh, what is that, the Phenomicon. He offered for $75 a head. People could have lunch with him and ask him any question they wanted. And someone released video footage of what took place there. I'll, I'll have to make sure and send it to you. And what, unless you've seen it already, one interesting thing that stood out to me was he, without making a long story longer, he went into how portions of the government intelligence community are 100% convinced that this is basically either demonic or angelic. And uh, they said, leave this stuff alone. And behind closed doors, try to limit the funding that many of these projects and black budget um, scenarios with with research, they're, they're running into these, the, these problems getting funding because there is a portion or a segment of the intelligent community who no one will name, uh, higher ups that are 100% convinced that there is demonic or slash angelic. Um, traceable roots to some of these phenomena and I I don't you know it sounds like crazy talk but is it
1: well actually not at all when you understand even the origins of some of our uh, shall we say military and justice complex individuals Um, and I don't want to name names I don't want you know but my goodness many of them the names are right there in that in George Knapp and Colin Kalinger's latest book so do your own research when you see there's millions of dollars put out to, to a certain aerospace company to do what? To get this, to, to research phenomenon tied into viruses, mm-hmm. okay? Um, as in coronaviruses, about, about controlling people in, in, a, in a way, uh, emotionally, mentally, through vaccination structures. What is this coming? This is coming out of research on in this area of interdimensionality. If this is not demonic, I don't know what is. Uh, and when they say angelic, well, don't don't forget who the fallen angels are.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: these are angelic angelics, but they're fallen. They're not they're not beneficial ones to support the the humanity as a as an ongoing concern. Okay, That's you got to right. be very careful and where you step because there's a lot of cow pies in the field
0: and you know i'm glad you brought this up because it is a known fact i remember looking on uh this dates me and how old i am but i remember looking on the nids back when the national institute for discovery sciences had a website and i remember looking at the job applications area and they were hiring nanotech technicians nanotechnology experts a lot of things that now make more sense Interestingly, uh, in this lunch that Dr. Taylor had with these others, he also mentioned, uh, someone asked him about some of the processes that Bigelow took part in back in the day, and he jokingly mentioned some things that we already knew about um, true. But uh, for the listeners, it was some of these experiments involved, for example, large fish aquariums at the top of telephone poles, which were clearly out of reach of anything physical. And inside of these aquariums, Dr. Taylor mentioned that there were children's toys, like those spelling blocks, as well as Ouija boards and other things, which begs the question again with the Ouija board, this is a cult. This is something that is typically associated with the occult, and what is fundamentally taking place in these experiments?
1: Well, there you go. Um, just, be, just because you can do something doesn't necessarily mean that you should. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, all you really have to realize is the, the soul of man is eternal. You know, we, when we do pass on, we, the entity of energy that's interdimensional goes to a different realm of space and time. And we just have to trust that there is a, a reason why we go through the experiences we go through. We have to realize that there is, you know, a creator that does care about each one of us and wants the best for us. But we start trying to become better than, than him and become more powerful and, and harnessing, you know, the, the promises of, of these individuals That you, you can become better than the Creator you can become better than God and when that starts happening science so-called uh, enters the the what I what I term to be the the dark shadows realm uh, and and there's nothing nothing good ever comes of that ever
0: yes right, so. And I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot, as you said, I mean, maybe these higher ups in the intelligence community are absolutely right when they're saying when it comes to these black budget projects, looking into UFOs and paranormal phenomena, you know, maybe they're right in saying, don't touch that stuff. It's demonic because, you know, as many have said in the past, and I've hinted on this before, there are very secret organizations Nick Redfern mentioned it with the Collins Elite kind of backing up the same story that these higher-ups in the intelligence community are aware of something we aren't, and they believe that these things function in a demonic fashion. And, you know, there are secret organizations. Um, Many people talk about Skull and Bones, for example, you know, that number 322 that they Hold Almighty, and you know that's Genesis three twenty-two. You know, then the Lord God said, "Behold, that man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever, or at least, you know, that's what you basically said that these individuals believe that they can become gods, uh, or with a capital G, or better than, and." You know, it makes me wonder, you know, who's right and who's wrong in in these intelligence communities. You have the one faction that wants to figure out what's going on with UFOs and paranormal events. And then you have the other faction, which is blocking the funding for these black budget projects because they believe it's demonic. It's a catch-22. Well,
1: I got a, you know, we had a podcast before on the property I that I spearheaded back in 2008, what uh, is called the Crow Creek property, my erstwhile uh, partner that, that I brought in this from Dumas, Texas, has now renamed it Blind Frog Ranch, and I won't name any names. And I'm I'm in litigation, so I'm gonna be really careful what I say or don't say. But mm-hmm. I just want to tell you that that I would never even gotten involved in this project with this uh, with, with one but well, was there without the aid of a gentleman in Washington, D.C., who really was my mentor in so many ways, because we have the same histor- historical roots in early Mormonism. And uh, his name is, he's deceased now, so I don't mind telling Dr. Melvin Laney, uh, a very high clearance in the Pentagon, extremely high level clearance. He told me from the outset, he says, yeah, I'm very, I'm very, very much aware of what's on this property rule mm. are you sure you want to enter into this realm because you will be going into areas that the dark side wants to control in the worst way also Whoa. i said well
0: why do
1: we you know why do we live doctor let me talk philosophy together i said why do we even live when we're not trying to do the best for humanity if this is worthy of the, the, the attention of the dark side surely has got to be a really good thing for the positive side as far as technology is concerned. He so says, yes, let me just tell you, uh, through satellite technology, we know there's seven caverns there. We know there's seven seven structures in there. But there's also things that could be a 2 edged sword that could, the, the dark side can get a hold of and empower. It's like It's like what Travis Taylor is – I mean, really – if I were to sit down with Travis Taylor uh, over over biscuits and lunch, okay, <laughs> I, I would. I just ask him. I, I like him. I think he's he's brilliant. He's articulate, and he's knowledgeable. But sometimes I think maybe you know we're opening you're opening a box called Pandora, that could you know be harmful for the, the world as a whole. Maybe you shouldn't be doing it, even though you want to explore and understand these anomalies. Do you really trust the employer you're working for, that he has the best interests Mm -hmm. of the world at heart type of thing? I would would ask these questions. Because what do you do when you find out what you find out? Are you able to to put all of these creepy crawlers back in the box? Or are they loose for good? This is the type of thing that that Dr. Laney and I had discussions on in the wee hours of the morning. He kept asking me, do you trust the people you're associated with with this, meaning meaning Dwayne Ollinger and others? I said, I think so. I think they're good Christian people. Well, let me tell you, a year into the project, we found out it wasn't. He said you couldn't have possibly picked a worse partner. Did things illegally in there, blasting, etc., that basically caused Dr. Laney to pull in his horns and say, listen, uh, just tell them you're on, they're on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I did, and they said, well, who are you? You know, who? who we, we, we haven't covered, you're too superstitious. And then, of course, I had the Don Nikoloff episode where Nikoloff calls me and said he's been contacted by the Galactic Federation of the Galaxy of Hedron, right? Mm-hmm. And that they're very interested in this property and making sure it goes the right way. Well, Dr. Laney, what do you think about the Galactic Federation, he said, be
0: very careful. Whoa. This is I so, said, what, so spooky.
1: I said, what do you mean, be very careful? He said, I'm not confirming nor denying they exist, but I'm telling you, it's not always what, what it appears to be. Be very careful. Now, as it turned out, um, Don Nikoloff, Went behind the, my back, went directly to Dwayne, made all of these in, incursions on the property unbeknownst to me, uh, and all—all all because they were trying to—they were granted protection. This guy Jeremiah Davis, who, by the way, checks out from Dr. Lenny. I had him looked into doc, into Jeremiah Davis's uh, QV, and you know what? Uh, Jeremiah Davis is American hero. He was was extremely. Uh, skillful uh, Vietnam-era fighter pilot, awarded uh, many, you know, many uh, distinguished crosses, et cetera, for his service. He, he checked out, but that doesn't mean that he wasn't deceived by this Galactic Federation, of which he was, uh, you know, working with now. Uh, Jeremiah Davis talked to me. Says many times, he says they, they promised me I will live. Uh, they have technology to keep me alive until you know my my dna starts to unravel in 120 years and then i will go to to Bactui, their their head planet and they basically live uh for as long as i would like to live that was his promise to me Whoa. that he was telling me that he was given because of his service yet here we have Dwayne ollinger testifying at Phenomicon and whatever else speeches he gives that he was a the deathbed of Jeremiah Davis making him a promise to tell the story of the Galactic Federation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Dwayne uh, stopped. Uh, how can this be if Jeremiah Davis is dying? His promises were not fulfilled. And the same was Don Nikoloff. Don Nikoloff called me the night he died and asked and begged me in tears for forgiveness. And I didn't know what he was talking about. I said, Don, I don't have a clue what you're talking about, but he's calling me from Ohio. He says, I'm your friend. I cannot get a flight. This, I'll get a flight in the morning if you need me to come out there and help you. But he was, he was telling the story about being uh, hit with directed energy weapons, and they were, they were attacking him. He didn't know where the protection promised by General Jeremiah and the Patrick Federation was to, to thwart this evil attack against him. And the next morning he's dead.
0: Jeez. And this brings us back to the Faustian bargain. I mean, people being promised eternal life. And, uh, you know, it just, again, brings us to those who are willing to give anything for power. And how it doesn't always work out so hot, uh, at least not as promised.
1: Exactly. And I would just say, you make the bargain, you know, the this is not about publicity. Mr. Ollinger, it's not about uh, telling a story of, of spaceships in the night. It's going far beyond that. It's about honor and integrity and a promise made to a friend. Mm hmm. Okay? And you can't, money can't buy that. Uh, you know the truth, Mr. Ollinger. I know the truth. Uh, I don't care if the judge knows the truth, frankly, because this is. This has gone gotten too crazy with all he's doing about the, all these tours and all of this nonsense. You know, finding priceless—I mean, uh, Indian artifacts in the form of trade beads. I mean, being this type of thing is, is commercialization, and it's my goodness. What are what are the Ute elders thinking about this? Does he even care? You know, so this is a sacred site to these Native Americans for a very important reason. Not to be commercialized on Discovery Channel for a money for a money price tag, a mess of pottage, if you will. That's just my two to That's my testimony on <laughs> it. They wanted to depose me a lot more, but you know, I don't. I think they're afraid of what what I'm going to tell them. Fine, depose me for 20 hours. I'll tell you the whole story, and I'll document every every single sentence of it. Mm-hmm.
0: And I'm glad just okay. uh, glad you said story because um, I also uh, wanted to uh, talk after we're done recording about why um, why I received that text and what what's going on currently uh, a similar situation possibly but um, you said story which made me think of the story behind the story and I've mentioned to the listeners uh, Mother Earth Minerals at M E minerals.com and could you also tell listeners where they can catch the story behind the story and anything else that you wanted to uh tell our listeners
1: well yes ryan thank you uh i've been doing radio broadcasting for well over 30 years actually the story behind the story is is my uh, the name of my broadcast uh, it's currently being simulcast you can you can tune in uh on Friday nights, it's eight o'clock to 10 p.m., two hours, eight to 10 p.m., Mountain Standard Time on Revolution Radio. That's uh, freedomslips.com, triple W Studio B from eight to 10 p.m. is where we, we're parked. We simulcast with the Goldwater Network, uh, James Watkins, and 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 others. I mean, um there. Uh, it's quite amazing what they're doing out of Manila in the Philippines, uh, broadcasting into you know Radio Radio Free South Pacific Islands, uh, Radio Free uh, Australia, and and uh, etc. It's amazing how how the, the the information curtain has been drawn. We're supposed to be living in a free and open society. No, no, uh, the the. The pot, the broadcast we do there, are monitored and, and and scrambled so often it's not even funny. Mm-hmm. Oh well, it's a great so, show,
0: yeah. and I, you know, it's been a great conversation. I can't thank you enough for coming on, and uh, hopefully, what we will discuss after this recording, uh, we'll someday be able to talk about that publicly. But it's a kind of a similar scenario where these these uh, powers that be are offering funding in ways that are. Well, not quite right, and we'll have to get into that another time, but thank you so much, Dr. Truott.
1: Thanks for having me. Uh, Be well and be safe, Ryan. Wow,
0: so much information. Such a great episode. Touched on so many things that are not only scary, but true, and this is very common, In certain areas geographically in the Uinta Basin of Utah, there's a long history of legend and lore. And how exactly this is mixing in with more modern technology is beyond many of us. Are these projects that are looking into the phenomena, such as UFOs and the paranormal, are they in fact opening Pandora's Box? Are these projects poking the bear or poking the hornet's nest and what comes out is uh, not going to be good. These are all unknowns. Why is it that a portion of the intelligence community is in fact believing that these are adversarial, possibly demonic entities or angelic? In the video that is of the lunch that dr travis taylor had with members of the phenomicon that paid 75 dollars a head to sit down and listen to dr travis taylor answer their questions in that video there is uh the speculation that these groups in the government exist and that they are spoken of in other places such as books Uh, Ray Boucher mentioned them and called them the Collins elite in a book by Nick Redfern. The Collins elite, therefore, believe that these things are demonic. Here is a snippet from Travis Taylor's lunch. There was a group within the government that uh, uh, they told us several times, demons and and angels, y'all need to stay away from This is very interesting that this is finally out in the limelight because I've heard this for years, and here's a little bit more. Here's ways to your funding away from us to keep us from uh, looking into it. it really odd. I don't know. I had the same, the same odd thing. So my question is, of course, why would these groups try to keep funding from these black budget and other projects that are investigating UFOs and the paranormal unless there was a real danger there. I don't know. Is it possible that these things may be something that should not be poked and prodded and that Pandora's box could be opened by the very insistent nature of trying to find out, for curiosity's sake, what is going on? I, for a fact, believe... Uh, in my conversations I've had with people with top secret clearances, one in particular from Maryland, he mentioned that there are some very bad, bad entities out there and that the intelligence community has to do what it has to do to protect not only itself, but also others from these entities. That can be pretty much put through whatever filter you want and analyzed and probably construed in a bunch of different ways, but that's what I was told. Amazing the conversations we have when we can't really know what we're talking about. But thanks so much for uh, listening in. Until next time, keep your eyes to the skies, feet on the ground, but don't forget to take a look around. (laughs) Come blast off in my time machine Third eye feeling like it need vising Blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off Come blast off in my time machine Third eye feeling like an Evite scene Blast off, blast off, blast off, blast off